in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Full time with my faith. Welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I hope you guys have been doing fabulous a new episode today i'm super excited because i believe this episode is gonna be a blessing to you so please please if you haven't already please share the path of revelation podcast with someone share it with someone if it's been a blessing in your life sharing is caring but listen i'm super excited about today's show i want to share a conversation me and my wife had recently and kind of used that conversation to kind of spin off into today's show topic, which I'm going to be talking about unity and love, not from the traditional sense of unity where, hey, let's just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But I want to deal with the aspects of unity that are good, but can also be evil. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we automatically assume that unity is a good thing. And, and I think we're in a society and a culture where uh, unity is being pushed more than righteousness. And so I want to talk about unity and love, but kind of from the from starting from the context of a question that my wife asked me. But listen, uh, make sure you go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Leave your prayer requests. Uh, suggestions for future shows um, that's where you go to get a hold of me or you can hit me up in my inbox on social media but listen man I've been busy I've been super busy y'all I'm, I'm, I'm working a full-time job I haven't worked for anyone in years so I've been I'm, I've been working while still running a business and um, got a couple of announcements. I'm in the process of working on my new project. So I'm super excited about that as well. Got some new music coming really soon. And um, I'm, I'm just excited. You know, um, I've, I've gotten a lot of great feedbacks off of my first solo project, Paradigm Shift. I'm still getting feedback from you guys. And, and, and you guys have been just sharing with me how much the music has been blessing you and you know what that just encourages my heart and so i'm excited for what's to come uh the material and content that i've been creating and uh just bear with me you guys I, I, my plate is full you know uh but the content the music and, and and more content is on the way but praise god you know i was having a i was having a conversation the other day with my wife and she actually started this conversation. Normally, sometimes I feel like I'm the one that gets off into all the philosophical, uh, apologetic conversations all the time. Uh, and every now and then, my wife will start the conversation. But this time, she was the one who kind of just started doing a, a reflection over the past year. We just went through 2020 and even how 2021 just started out. You know, she began to talk about all of the uh, racial tension and political tension uh, that our country 
um, not even just our country. I feel like the entire world experienced last year and even how 2021 started out this year with with the situation at the Capitol. And it seems like it's not just the world that's divided, but the church that's divided as well. And so as my wife, Erica, just begins to began to share with me her thoughts on on how crazy things had went in the world and how, you know, you have um, different agendas being pushed. You know, I was reading something a couple of weeks ago where um, and I'm not sure how true this is. I I, I normally like to fact check things before I even share it on the show. But I want to give this disclaimer because I don't know how true it is. But I I read something um, about with the Biden administration and how they were going to push for uh, churches to hire um, LGBT people, you know, kind of force kind of like how affirmative action uh, was and is put in place in certain workplaces where jobs um, have to have a certain quota and hire a diverse workforce. You know, usually you got to have some black people. You have to have different nationalities. It can't just be all white people. And so it seemed what I was reading, it it was alluding to uh, the uh, Biden administration imposing an affirmative action before homosexuals and, and churches would have to fall in line. And so I don't know how true that is. That's something that I have. I've heard people debate this, though, even if that article that I wasn't that I read wasn't factual. I have heard it debated amongst people that churches should have to hire uh, people of the homo homosexual lifestyle or of the LGBT community. There shouldn't be any discrimination. And my wife began to ask me the question, where do we go from here? Like, how should the church's response be? You know, and so my response to her is is multifaceted. It's a couple of layers to this. Um, But one of the first things that I shared with her, just keeping it real. (laughs) Y'all know I, I like to keep it real. But when the whole LGBT movement and this was years ago, a couple of years ago, when the LGBT community and agenda began to push its movement as a civil rights movement in a line and almost equate being gay to being black. I, I told my wife when that first started happening, that's wrong. And the church needs to say something. And this is where I think this whole conversation um, this is why I think it's so important for us as Christians. We have to align ourselves with the word of God before anything. Like we have to be willing to throw out our political parties, our our affiliations and alignments with with political parties and and, and different groups. If it's not in line with the word of God, because I watched as many Christians because they were more loyal to, um, for example, the, de- the the Democratic Party. They they were so happy to have a black president in office 
we were just so happy to have Obama in office. And listen, I'm not speaking as a Republican right now. I'm just speaking as a Christian and and my my observation to how many of my brothers and sisters responded to these things when they first started coming out because the Obama administration, and this is just facts, had a huge part in pushing forward the homosexual agenda. Um, when 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 Obama and his administration began to um, put certain policies and things in place, um, I watched as many of my brothers and sisters in the faith were just silent about it. And, and, and instead, a lot of times they defended Obama and and and, and, and kind of brushed his flaws and his sins under the rug. Like, oh man, they just get jumping on him because he's the first black president. And I understand there was racism and, and prejudice and bias against uh, President Obama. I understand people are racist and they're just as sinful. But what I'm saying is, as Christ- I watched as a lot of my Christian brothers and sisters because they were more loyal to their skin or more loyal to the Democratic Party, I watched as a lot of Christians just brush these things under the rug and they allowed the LGBT to just equate being gay to being black. (laughs) And I think that is a huge mistake because one of the points I made to my wife is we don't we didn't choose to be black. But when a person is gay, they choose to be gay, no matter how much of an urge you have in Uh, to or attraction to same sex ultimately who you who you're attracted to and who you decide to sleep with or or date that's a choice and so the reason why I don't believe that the homosexual community and their in their fight shouldn't be viewed as a civil rights thing just as the liberties we fought for as black people is because being black wasn't isn't a choice. You're born black. You're not born gay. I believe that's that's a, a lie from the from the enemy. Um, and even if you're born or or from a very young, and this is, we have to deal with the Bible. What the Bible says. Even if you have desires, homosexual desires, at a young age, according to our Bible. Our Bible, we recognize that as sinful. We're born in sin. So even if there is an argument for, well, I've been I've been gay since I was young. How you know <laughs> you had those desires when you were young? Well, well, that's the Bible still calls it a sin. The Bible still is still a choice. It's still a choice. And so one of the things I share with my wife is I think we made the mistake by not speaking up. Not enough Christians spoke up and um, we made it a political issue. We made a lot of these things political and not spiritual. And so now fast forward to today, we see um, these different agendas are moving in. And so my wife began to ask the question, like, what do where do we go from here? Like, because it seems like everybody's just fighting. Um, It seems like so many Christians are distracted now. It seems like Christians 
um, are more loyal to their political parties and race than they are God. And 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 we've watched so many people who profess to be Christians at once. Now they're they're no longer they're either really struggling in their faith and and, and they don't even walk or talk and represent themselves as Christians anymore. And so where do we go from here? And so one of the things I began to talk with uh, my wife, she said, how do you feel about us? Do you think we need to just unify? What do I think? She began to ask me that. And so what I want to do is I want to start off with dealing with unity and love, because I think these are the two areas that we have to define biblically and even look at what the Bible says about unity. Not what the world says about unity, because we have to realize that the way the world defines unity and the way the Bible defines unity isn't the same. The way the world talks about unity and the way we as believers talk about unity shouldn't be the same. But what is happening and I, and, I, and one of the things that I told her is I, I think the two biggest idols in the world and in the church today, specifically in our in, in this country, um, is race and politics. I see these are like two of the major things that I see Christians get out of character over or just abandon biblical teachings for. You know, I've watched Christians go at each other's throats. I've watched how how we fight and stuff. And, and, and so I think we have to begin to define these things biblically so we can have an understanding. One of the mistakes I think a lot of people make when it comes to unity is we a lot of times we can make the mistake of automatically thinking that unity is a good thing. And the Bible doesn't teach that unity is a good thing. Even when we look at Jesus being crucified, leading up to his crucifixion and him being scourged, it was a unified crowd that screamed, crucify him. They weren't divided. <laughs> you know, they weren't divided. They were screaming, crucify him. Release Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Take Jesus. They, 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 uh, Pontius Pilate gave the crowd a, 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 a option to release either Jesus, who was innocent, or release Barabbas, a murderer. And the crowd chose Barabbas. They were unified. And so sometimes we can make a mistake of thinking just because people are we the, the world is unifying or the even in certain instances we see people who profess to be Christians unifying with the world and we like oh man that's a positive thing man there's they're 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 doing good things for the community and and, and listen I'm not opposed to good deeds like giving to the poor feeding the poor and clothing the naked and all of that stuff but when we talk about unity as Christians, we have to question, what are we unifying under? And what are we unifying for? This is why it's so important 
when we deal with unity, you can't stand side by side and fight with everyone. You can't stand side by side with everyone to tackle certain issues because the person that you're standing next to may not have the same end goal as you. This is why we have to be careful to, to deal with the idols of race and politics in the church, because I've seen Christians because they're they've made their race or political party an idol. I've seen them join arms with someone who was not of the faith, who really had an end goal of hatred and revenge, and they're locking arms with that person against racism or against um, certain issues, political issues, not realizing or not even caring that that person has hatred in their heart and their goal isn't to glorify God. This is why we have to deal with the idols in our hearts. Because if the end goal isn't to glorify God, why are we unifying for? Because we were created to glorify God. And so I can't unify with any and everything. I can't join arms with any and everything. This is why in the Bible it says, come out from among them and be ye separate come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean things don't where we are as believers are called to be a peculiar people so when we look at Matthew chapter 10 I want to take a look at this and, and something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 I want to start at verse 34 and I'm going to read through verse 39 now I want to paint the picture here and and I want you to do your homework you guys know I like giving you guys homework. Listen, I'm not the type of preacher or teacher that tells you to just take my word for it. I want you to dig in the scriptures for yourself. Like, I want you to even take things that you hear on this show and be like, hey, Gabe, I read the full context of the scripture that you share. I went back and actually read the whole chapter. The only reason why I don't read full chapters and stuff, because I can't do that. Like, I don't have time. So I'll give you the context of the scriptures that I'm reading so you have an understanding. But understand, I want you to go back and read this. So I'm reading. I'm about to read Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 39. But I think it would be a great idea for you to go and read the entire chapter, because in this chapter, Jesus is sending out his disciples and he's telling them, hey, go into the world cast out devils, heal the sick in my name. Um, he's telling them to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. And as he's telling them this, he's letting them know that because of the mission that I'm sending you out on, because you're going, you're going to do the work of, of God in the earth and you're going against the powers of darkness um, that is working in men, that you're going to be hated. He says, you're going to be hated and 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 persecuted. He says, he says, brothers will deliver up brothers to be killed. He says, you're going to be hated, not just by the by by strangers, but you're going to be hated by your family for this message. 
And he says, go, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst amongst wolves. And so he's letting them know like, hey, regardless of the opposition, I'm still sending you. You're called to share this good news. And and notice uh, when, when you read Matthew chapter 10, Jesus, he never tells them to conform. He never says, hey, once it gets hard, give in to what what they want you to give in to. No. He says, go forth. And, and when we look at verse 34, Jesus says something important. Now, we're still dealing with unity here. In Matthew 34, he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. He says, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Hmm. He says, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Wow. Verse 37, he gives, he begins to give us context. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is calling for us to lose our lives for us to find it. See, for the Christian, we, we our whole mindset is not is, is meant to be separate from how the world thinks. See, the world tells you to be self-indulged to find yourself. While the Bible tells us to deny ourselves for his name's sake to find ourselves. And so it's a difference. And so Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. In other words, what Jesus is not saying, he's not telling us he's not saying don't love your father. He's not saying don't love your mother. He's not saying don't love your mother-in-law. But what he's saying is this message that the kingdom of God is at hand, the work of an evangelist, casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. These things go against the spirit of this world. And as a result of going forth in the power of God, in the power of the kingdom, you are going to ruffle some feathers. Because People aren't going to be willing to change. And as a result of people not wanting to hear truth, not having a desire for truth, but desiring evil more than truth. They're going to be offended by your stance. They're going to be they're going to be offended by my purpose in your life. And and some of these people aren't going to be strangers. They're going to be cousins and brothers and f- childhood friends. Have you ever lost? Have you ever lost a friend or a family member because of your belief 
in Christ. Have you ever watched a relationship that was once close, but as you begin to grow closer to Christ, you watch certain relationships become strained or or fade away? And And it's not even that you meant for it to happen, but it was a natural progression of things because as you grew closer to the Lord, you weren't going in the same direction as them anymore. And you wanted them to 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 taste and see that the Lord is good, just like you tasted and saw that the Lord is good. But because they were unwilling, your relationship with them began to strain. Oh, yeah. So unity isn't the primary goal of believers. Pleasing God is the primary goal. Righteousness, holiness, sanctification, glorification of God is the primary goal of the believer. And so when we look at unity, unity in and of itself is not a good thing if it's not rooted in in the Bible, if it's not rooted in, in righteousness and justice and godly wisdom. And so we can't join with any and everybody. And so where do we go here as it relates to unity? I truly believe that if we're going to focus on unity, we can't focus on unity without focusing on sound doctrine. I'm going to say that again. When the church tries to unify without addressing doctrine we come together and just spread bad doctrine Paul and the apostles constantly warned the church the churches that they were over and that they were writing to and ministering to watch out for false doctrine watch out for false teachers watch out for wolves but we're in a day and age where we don't want to call anybody out for bad teaching We don't want to challenge false teaching nowadays because it's viewed as being unloving. And it's not in in a lot of instances, many of us aren't focusing on the gospel anyway. We're not really focusing on the great commission of making disciples and preaching the gospel anyway, because most of our teaching today has become more motivational driven where preachers are are taking scriptures and applying scriptures to their teachings instead of actually teaching the scriptures and, and, and making the scriptures more about you than about God or just as much about you as it is God. And that's, that's not what we're called to do or be. And so we as believers have to deal with sound doctrine. Like I look at like 2020, man, (laughs) leading up to the election, we had so many preachers coming out with prophecies that Trump is going to win again. Trump is going to win again. Right. And when it didn't happen, We like these jokers just had excuses or we didn't pray hard enough. We didn't fast enough. Ah, no, you said it was going to happen, though. Like it's time for us 
to stop supporting false teachers. I'm going to just say it. It's time to stop supporting false prophets. I don't need my favorite televangelist to be on point for me to be secure in my faith. Listen, I've been disappointed plenty of times, and it's not it's not that I'm I'm saying I'm better than anybody because I'm not at all. I'm I'm the worst sinner of a, of of you of us all, you know. God knows my secrets and stuff. God knows I need his grace daily. <clears throat> but what I'm saying is we have to be careful to not put people on a pedestal so high that we're not able to be objective in what they're teaching. We're still dealing with unity. Like we can't be so quick. Like I, I sometimes I feel like we're just like Israel looking for a king when God wants to be our king. Like we're looking, we're constantly looking for a human hero because God isn't enough for us. And 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 so we get disappointed when we see the flaws of these preachers and teachers that we put on a pedestal because we've elevated them and put them on a pedestal in our mind. And and it's not and we're it's time like listen, I know I'm hitting a lot right now. We need to stop elevating preachers and teachers to superstar stardom. Like the celebrity preacher and stuff, like especially after going through what we went through in 2021, I feel like I feel like you I feel like we should have came out of 2021 more closer to, to God than ever. Because I feel like people were exposed. We got to see that all of this stuff doesn't really matter anyway and that things can change overnight. Yet it's still people falling for false doctrine and false teaching. That's a whole nother show right there. But but listen, we can't unify with everybody. And I feel like before we can truly have true biblical unity, we have to make sure that we are linking with people who are of the same heart and mind. And listen, Jesus said, how can two or three walk together lest they agree? Like, I think it's okay. We should have safe spaces in our churches and amongst fellow believers where we can have critical conversations about doctrine and theology and examine each other's beliefs to see if they are actually consistent with the Bible. And and listen, when we come together to have these conversations or critical conversations or fellowships, we should all be humble enough to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Like, I try not to come into certain conversations, I try not to come into conversations with presuppositions like I I, I want to be humble enough for if I'm wrong I want to be able to see that I'm wrong I don't want to be so blinded by my pride that I feel like I always have to defend my position as if I know it all and so we have to walk in humility and that kind of carries over into the next thing when we deal with doctrine as it relates to unity we have to make sure that our doctrine is sound and consistent with the Bible. This is why so many cults and like the Hebrew Israelite 
doctrine and Jehovah Witness and just different courts have infiltrated the church and began to pull people out of the church. And now people are, are listening, are, are going from bad teaching to worse teaching and are puffed up with pride. You can't tell them anything now because now they know the Bible better than you. And, and, and they just started opening up the Bible recently, but, but they've been listening to bad teachers, teach them the Bible who don't know what they're talking about. So listen, I, I don't want to go off too far on a tangent, but listen, the next thing I, I talk to my wife about is love and how we have to love each other. I talked about this last show, but it's some more things I want to bring out. We have to love each other. It doesn't matter how much theology we know, how many theological terms we know, exegesis, eisegeting, or, you know, epistemology, all of these terms. It don't matter how much theology you know. If you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. And for many of us, I've watched not just as not, I've watched not just the world be divided and hate each other and come together and hate each other, but I've watched the church divided over race and politics. I've watched the, the church adopt the same spirit of the world and, and, and put down their, their Christian standards, their biblical standards to pick up their political standards and the standards of their race in, a, in those, those type of soulish and fleshly agendas. And I've watched men of God and even women of God who I have who I've admired over the years step completely out of character and fight each other publicly in front of the world. Jesus says that the Bible says that they that the world will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. But when the world is looking at us, we're fighting. We're 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 so pro Trump or so pro Democrat Democrats or so anti Trump that we put down our faith to fight each other. And we hate each other. We're we're not loving each other. We're arrogant. We're insulting each other, calling each other names over over political debates and arguments. And what that shows me is that we've made these things an idol. We've made culture an idol. We've made politics an idol. We've made race an idol to the point that we can't even love each other. We can't even be sought and light in the world because we're so busy de defending Trump or, or so busy defending the anti-Trump agenda. And so love... Love is the key. When we look, man, this is powerful. We got to look at this. When we look at Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 36, Jesus says this, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? 
for even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from you and if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. <laughs> Come on, y'all. But love your enemies. Hallelujah. And do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the most high. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Verse 36. Be merciful. Even as your father is merciful. So the question is, why does Jesus command us to love our enemies? Because he died for his. I'm going to say that again. Why does Jesus command us to love our enemies? Because he died for his. See, a lot of times we we are able to operate in hatred towards each other, in wrath and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness towards each other because we lose sight of the fact that we were enemies of God. And though we did not deserve his love and his mercy, yet while we were in sin, he died for us. We lose, we lose sight of the gospel the simplicity of the gospel, the love of God that is shed abroad, that's supposed to be shed abroad in our hearts. We lose sight of the, fi- the fundamental foundation of our, of our faith because we pick up all these other agendas. And these other agendas allow us to hate each other. They allow us to go at each other's throats. And we lose sight of who we are and whose we are. And how we became his for we were bought with a price. (laughs) We can't lose sight of the price that he paid for us, because when we when we see the price that he pays for us, it holds us accountable to love each other and to love our neighbors the way he calls us to. So our love shouldn't look like the world. Our our love shouldn't look like sinners. There should be a difference when they look at us, even in our disagreements. But it's time. But we have to learn how to die. We have to learn how to deny ourselves for his name's sake. And so love, we have to learn how to love each other. We can't walk like the world. We can't talk like the world. We can't even love like the world. We have to define love according to the scriptures, not our emotions, because love is a choice, not an emotion. Yes, there's emotions involved in love, but ultimately love is a choice. That's why Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Listen, I'm I'm going to the cross even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to do God's will even though I don't feel like it. 
because I love him. It's a choice for God so loved the world that he gave, he chose, he gave his only begotten son. And so we have to choose to love. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse one through six, because I see people use the excuse. Oh, man, I'm telling the truth. It would be unloving for me not to tell the truth. And they do that while defending their opinions. And even if they are telling the truth in that moment, they use the truth because they're telling the truth as an excuse to be unloving and be arrogant. My friend, my brother, my sister, you need to repent. Because it's not just about saying the right thing, but it's the spirit in which we do something. I can say something that's actually right or true and say it in arrogance and have an unkind spirit and lack patience and be full of pride in doing so. And this is what the Bible says about this. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 6, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Number two, verse two, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Now, notice all the things that is saying are actually good things. Prophetic powers is good things. All knowledge and mysteries is a good thing. All faith as to remove mountains, that's a good thing. But it goes on to say, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. We are to be defined by love, Christians. Oh God, help me to love like you. Help me to love my brothers. Help me to love my sisters. Help me to love my neighbor. God, I pray that they see your love. Some of us aren't praying that people see the love of Christ. They're, we're, we're hoping, we're not praying that people see the love of Christ. We're praying that, we're, that they see that we're right. We're so full of ourselves. We always want to be right. We always want to prove our point. That we lose sight of the fact that we're dealing with people's souls. Verse, verse 34. My bad. Verse, verse 3. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, man, that's crazy. But have not love, I gain nothing. Love, here it is. This is what love is. This is how we as Christians have to define love. Love isn't just defined by telling the truth. We have to stop using that as an excuse to be nasty and mean spirited. It says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So how do we move forward? We get back to the Bible. How do we move forward? We preach the gospel and make disciples. We visit the widows and, 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 and the poor. We love people. See, the solution doesn't change. 
See, sometimes we get so complex and so smart that we think that the Bible isn't isn't suffice enough to meet the complexity of the issues of the day. Because we think sometimes if it doesn't end in our comfort or self-preservation, that something's wrong with it. When in Matthew 10, Jesus said, hey, you're going to be hated for my name's sake. Some of y'all go die for my name's sake. Some of y'all are going to lose relationships for my name's sake. Some of y'all are going to fall out with family members for my name's sake. Because I didn't come to bring peace. Glory to God. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And whoever will listen, bless them. Whoever won't listen, dust off your feet and, and, and continue on your way. Because if you love your mother or father more than me, your, bro- your brother, your sister-in-law, your cousin, your, your girlfriend, if you love anybody more than me, you're not worthy of me. And I don't know about you guys. I want to be worthy of him. I don't want to be ashamed of him before men just to have him ashamed of me before his father. I want to please the Lord. Can we please, can we press towards the mark together? And this is not a message to condemn anybody or a show to condemn anybody. Like conviction is a blessing. Lord, show me where I'm wrong because I know you love me enough to get me on track. I know you, you, you're not showing me my flaws to destroy me. You're showing me my flaws to build me back up, to break me down, just to build me back up in your likeness, in your image. Listen, guys, where do we go from here? Let's get back to the Bible. It's okay to to research and, and ask questions about certain things you may hear in certain sermons and and things. Sometimes you have to say, okay, man, I know they're preaching from the Bible, but are they actually teaching the Bible? Is this the context of the story? What's the context of the scripture? Sometimes you have to dig deeper because there's no such thing as truly honoring God if you're not honoring his word. He says, I've, I've exalted my word above my name. And so we have to commit ourselves to sound doctrine. We have to commit ourselves to loving each other. And that's where we go from here. (laughs) I pray that you guys are encouraged. Listen, make sure you go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Leave your prayer requests and any, any suggestions or anything like that. Leave it there. And listen, pray for me. And I'm praying for all of you guys under the sound of my voice. I pray that you share this show with somebody that it encourages them. And listen, thank you for tuning in to the Path of Revelation podcast. And this is where the culture meets scripture.